Welcome to the Campus Women's Ministry Podcast. This ministry is devoted to producing women after God's own heart and interceding for the society around us. Listen as Prophetess Zipporah Crown shares insight into God's word. I pray this podcast ministers to you. Pick the natural substance of the new thing he had created, earth brought the land out of the waters and then God blew hard or inflated this form that's the root of the Hebrew word it connotes like blowing a balloon so God breathed he blew he inflated his breath into this clay medium natural medium and man became a living soul so a bond between heaven and earth was formed which bond we call the bond of one spirit and that bond the therefore of it was that man therefore sought after a higher creature, being, sorry, than himself. Man began to worship. So the first bond was the bond of a common shared spirit, life. Heaven shared a common life with the earth and the bond of one spirit. And that has been hijacked by the devil after the fall into religion. And so you see that religion it's a great force in the earth. You can think of Boko Haram, ISI, Al Shaba, all those. They are all with the Lord's salvation. I mean, uh, Uganda, some time back. All these are satanic hijacking of, of the bond of one spirit. Other creatures don't worship. Now, when they discover a new people group, group no matter how primitive they are, the first thing that anthropologists use, the conclusive evidence that we are dealing with homo sapiens, human beings, is if they have an object of worship. Because worship is peculiar to human beings. Why? Because God put his breath in us. And therefore, there is that longing to bond back with the owner of the breath, the bond of one spirit or worship. And the next bond, so we have gone back to the beginning because Jesus told us that our reference point is at the beginning. So the next force that God created is the bond of one flesh. How did he do this? And that's what we read. God formed the man. Now, in Genesis 1.26, God said, let us create man in our own image, after our likeness, and let them. Notice the use of the plural. Let them have dominion. Let them rule. Let them subdue. Let them represent us. Now, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, God formed the first man. And strangely enough, God appraised the man that he had formed. And God said something that was very discordant in the narrative up to that point. Because in the whole of chapter 1, you realize that anytime God finishes creating or filling one of the mediums, the mediums was what? Sky, earth, water. He would appraise it and certify it as what? Good. He would stamp it. So they said, and the, the day, the evening and the morning was the first day. And God saw that it was what? God saw the light, that it was 
Good. Then God will create. Let the earth bring forth vegetation. And God saw that it was good. And then let the waters teem with living creatures, big and small, minuscule and gargantuan. And he says what? Behold, it is good. Then God goes to the skies and let the firmament, what? Birds, fowls, spring forth in the firmament and let them fly in the firmament. And God saw that it was good. Then God says, I'm creating another class of beings. And then he takes clay. Now God goes into his art workshop. He takes clay, forms a figure. He inflates it with his own very life force. And then a living soul springs up. And God says, wow, that's my image. And then God surprisingly says, it is not good that the man should be alone. What did God mean by it is not good? He's only making reference to Genesis 1.26 when he said that man should be them. So what God is saying essentially is that it is not complete. It's not finished. I've not done, finished doing. And now we know where the body came from. It was from the dust, right? So you'd expect that if it's not complete, if I've not finished, God will go back to the dust and take clay, do his molding, sculpture, inflate it again. But he didn't do that. What did God do? He opened up the man, took some material from the man's body, and used that as his raw material to create the next human being. Why did God do that? The therefore of Genesis 2.24 tells us the reason. He said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined not, to, not unto a woman, but unto his wife. So God took material from the man's body in order to create another force. And that force is the, what? The bond of one common body. So God created the two out of one common body. And that is where my message is anchoring today. Why did he do that? He did that to create a force. So the first force of a shared breath, the shared spirit, drives man to want to bond back with the spirit of God, worship. The next one is the bond of one body drives man to want to bond back. The male and female want to bond their bodies back together. Sex. 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 It's not the big Walmart shops that control the world. Religion controls the world. The next force that holds the world captive is sex. Oh, yeah. And the third force that God created, I'll just mention it because some of you are so curious. I'll be getting calls if I don't. So the third force God created was the bond of one blood, one common blood. In Acts 17, 26 and 27, Paul refers to it. Paul refers to himself from one man or one blood. He made all nations of men with the mandate to fill the whole earth, each climatic condition on the earth. Amen. And then he put a spiritual mandate on it. He said that they would fill out for God. So, redemption is racially denominated. All races don't seek God at the same time. It began in the east. Asia began the look for God. And the final, the culmination of their search was that 
they birthed God as man, called Christ Jesus. From Asia, the program moved to Europe. Europe's assignment was what? To spread the news of the God-man all over the earth, missions. And for that, Japheth was named Expansions. From there, the agenda is now in our court. It's come to Africa, the Hermetic people. And what is our assignment? We are enforcing the dominion of the God-man on the earth. So we are seated here today because some people in secret council took authority and said to COVID, that's far shall you come and no more. There are other waves coming, but we are not afraid because God has men manning the gates. We are the ones, we have strength to push back the battle at the gates and bring in the authority of Christ on the earth. If you are waiting for Asia to do it, the church in Asia is dead. If you are looking for Europe to do it, they are building nice decors. Their season is over. It is our work. So Africa, welcome to Christendom. Amen. So the bond of one flesh, which is marriage. The essence of marriage is that two people want to merge their bodies back together, and we call it sex. And that is one of the three major bonds that bind heaven and earth. Now notice that when the fall happens, all hope was lost. The only hope that God and humanity had for redemption was the prospect of motherhood. So much hinges on women, Satan knows it, though we are ignorant of it, that relentlessly he has hit at women. And the rod of the woman is released when she stands in the office of what? A mother. But it begins first by becoming a wife. So even Christ came to the earth, couched and wrapped up in the garments of marriage. God did not violate marriage when he brought the virgin son into the world. He made sure that virgin was betrothed to a man. There was a family setting. Because the three are irretrievably bound together. They are not loose, disjointed bones flowing around. They form a trichetra of divine hold over the earth. So today we are looking at the bond of one flesh. And you know the great thing about God? He took just a teeny weeny bit of yourself, but gave you a whole human being. How about that? You should say thank you, don't you? Shouldn't you? So from, the Bible says that piece that he took, he built it up and fashioned it into what? A woman. Notice that she was the one that carried life. She had the womb. So when the fall came, when God sentenced Adam to death, take note that we don't die physically because Adam ate the fruit. Adam and Eve ate the fruit. That was not what God meant by death. Just one proof. I'm not going into that. If it was death he meant, physical, why would he come calling out to a dead man? Adam, where are you? Is God a necromancer to be talking to the dead? The Bible says that there's no dead in God. He said he's the God of the living. He's the God of Adam. Are you getting it? So God is talking about something that Paul explains to us in Romans chapter 8. He says, a mind at enmity with God is death. Again, the Bible says, when you were dead in your sins and transgressions. That's what God means, death. When you can't hear him, when you can't experience him, when you can't feel him, when the breath that he put in you 
is distorted, God says you are dead. But how did we come by physical death? God cursed Adam with physical death. That's why the Bible says through Adam, all death came over all men. God says you will hustle in life, oh boy. You will smell stuff. And finally, the day you woke up debonair, eh, feeling good, with a swagger you structured around Eden. You know what? I took you from the dust, and you're going right back there. That's how we got death. Coffins are the inheritance of Adam to his, his people. So if you know what your great-grandfather Adam left for you, it was a long six-foot coffin. Oh, yeah, it is. It's, so I'm stopping here because they don't preach long at weddings. So that's enough. Miriam will come home and say, Mommy. Okay, so just the leader of the house, I should continue. Thank you. So Abraham, God gave the man a gift. Don't go asking God, what did you give me on my wedding day as a gift? He already gave you a gift, the best gift. Why? You would have been dead, the seed of Adam gone. That would have been the end of the creation, except that you had a womb man. So the whole prospect, expectation, the whole hope of creation was anchored on one person, the womb of the womb man. It is the prospect of motherhood that kept God's and the whole creation's hope going after the fall. Without the prospect of motherhood, there would have been no redemption. Because all that the prophet said about redemption, in summary, in brief, is that unto us a child is given, and unto us a son is born, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. The government is in the hand of the devil. In other words, he's going to take it back. And then we can strut around and walk like the lords that we were before. Hallelujah. So you see why Jesus will refer us back to the beginning? Because we take all our bearings as a people, as a society, cosmos, all, aeons from the beginning. Amen. Hallelujah. So welcome back to Eden. The two of you, welcome back to Eden. That is where your beauty begins. Hallelujah. So she is dramatizing innocence by wearing white. Traditionally, you're supposed to be in a turban, a symbol of authority. But you see how civilization has cuddled things. So here you are with a tuxedo and you are, you know, who told you to wear black on a day like this? Don't take it too badly, you know. But I'm saying that sometimes when we don't understand something, we don't flow correctly with it. Isn't that it? So on a day like this, you'd have thought you'd be on a golden robe with a turban on his head. But you tell me that's Asian culture. But do you know that your Messiah, he has Asian visa? The Bible says Jesus Christ is a Jew. The natural ancestry of Christ is traced to David. And David isn't a Ghanaian, by the way. <laughs> so that's on the lighter side. I'll round it up because a very long, tall order. I'll round it up and then we'll be out of here so that Mr. and Mrs. can start signing their new signatures. 
Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord again. It's a long time we heard that. I think tomorrow we should spend the whole day shouting praise the Lord. The devil is a liar. We are back together. He fears the gathering of God's people. When the righteous meet as the, the seed of Abraham, the devil and his cohorts tremble. He hasn't seen anything yet. A big wave is rolling in. It will hit the earth. The earth will skip out of his place. But God will reposition it. We are the lords of the times and seasons. Oh, yes. The baton of Christendom is in our court. And we have to be conscious of it. Without the African church, there will be no church at all. So let's lay a solid foundation, standing on the true principles of the word. Let's not get frivolous. Are you getting me? The decors and this thing, they are peripheral things. What will it benefit you? You have the most decorated glass cathedral in the world. And not even two souls from there make it in the rapture. Mm-hmm. While some village church empty, they are all into the skies. These are things we should be thinking of now, right? Because things have changed. Church will never be the same again. You can't bamboozle the church again with all manner of gimmicks. There is a spirit of alertness entering the congregations. Watch out, things are changing. And it is real. Hallelujah. So finally, brethren and sistering. Genesis chapter 3. I'm rounding up. The Bible tells us, to the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be to your husband, and he shall rule over you. So this is the judgment of the fall. Now, if any man be in Christ, you are a new creature. A Christian is not a recycled sinner. A Christian is a brand new creature. Don't let the, the physical deceive you. There is no past spiritually to the Christian. A Christian has no history personally, no personal history. Because he's a brand new creature. As brand new as the day Adam rose up from the dust in Eden. As brand new as the day that Eve was presented to Adam. A Christian has no natural spiritual history. You only have a natural history. You went to school in Fanspin, St. John, Pope John's, or the Johns. That's all. So this means that Whatever God said in Eden, Christ has borne that burden. God is saying that at the beginning, here was God. Underneath God was man and woman. This was the organogram of the earth. God, man, woman. After the fall, it became what? God, man, woman. So now it's straight. It means that the woman was removed from her throne and placed under the man. 
Now that's where I'm ending. What did this do to marriage? What the fall did to marriage and God's sentence is that number one, the man became a master and not a lover. The man was created with a natural ability, capacity to love the woman just as much as he loves himself. He didn't have to put in any effort. Bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. That was Adam's prophetic utterance. When man fell, he said, the woman that you put here with me. What a long name for a, a delicate creature like that. The woman that you put here with me. You have to say it fast in one breath. Let's try it. The woman that you put here with me. And so the spirit of divorce, separation, marital breakdown was birthed into the creation by that one single statement. Adam rejected the woman as part of himself and handed her back to God. God was forced to work only through woman to bring redemption to mankind. And Adam died. His office became vacant prophetically because a woman is supposed to have a lover, not a master. Solomon had a vision of God's original intent in Eden. And he sang it, recorded it for us, Song of Solomon. He's, I am my beloved, and my beloved is mine. His banner over me is love. A husband is a lover, not a master. Hosea chapter 2, verse 16. Can you project it for us? And it shall be, do you have the message version? It's, uh, Eugene Peterson's rendition is very interesting. He says, at that time, so God is looking forward and ahead to a certain period called time. And we are in that time. He said, at that time, this is God's message still. So it's a recurrent theme throughout God's budget. You will address me, dear husband, never again will you address me, my slave master. Marriage suffered terribly during the fall because man lost the natural ability to love his wife as himself. And so for a man, when Christ came, he says, I have given you back the ability to love the woman as yourself. And so he says, husbands, love your wives as you love yourself. For no one yet hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cares for it, even as I, Christ, who has inherited Adam's office, does. And I'm going to use my life to prove that. And so on that cross on Calvary, in the deep sleep of death that Adam slept in Eden, God took out the church when the Roman centurion pierced the side of the new bridegroom, Jesus of Nazareth, Yeshua HaMashiach. So Christ has become the model for husbands. The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, a Lord. She is his new creation by water and the word. From heaven, he came down and sought her to be his holy bride. With his own life, he bought her. And for her sake, he died. Though with a scornful wonder, men see her oppressed by schisms torn asunder by heresies distressed. 
yet the saints their watch are keeping. Their cry goes up, how long? And soon the night of weeping will become the morn of laughter, of peace, and of love. So a husband became a master only because the creation fell. But in the beginning, it was not so. Precious than gold. Precious than Thank you for listening to this message. Journey with us, read our daily posts, and connect with us on our other social media platforms as we study God's word and get to know his perspective on human issues. Until next time, stay blessed. Precious than silver, she is here.
Your name. 